0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They dress as swordfishes. Excuse me? true. Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday from awesomeo.com. This is the college football DFS betting show. You guys know the drill. We are in week 15 of the season I know college football doesn't really do weeks per se but I believe after this we head into conference championship season Matt is that correct
1: yeah and I think there's a few games that have been rescheduled just Mm -hmm. obviously teams that aren't vying for conference championships so I think we'll get some of those too but who knows at this point teams are opting out Pitt's not playing in their bowl game Utah State's not playing the rest of the year Boston College isn't playing in their bowl game nothing surprises me at this point
0: yeah, obviously, a, cra- a crazy ending to a crazy year. Uh, we're going to get into that, obviously, bowl season. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Great betting, great, you know, if you're doing pools, we're going to have content on that. College basketball is here, too. But we are going to focus on what is, it was a 13-game slate. It's down to 11. We were talking before the show, I have a couple uh, bets that I do like. It was pretty good last week. We have to start the show. Finally, I can say this and actually believe it and mean it. Akron won a game. Uh, they covered. It was fantastic. I watched the entire game against Bowling Green. I couldn't have been more happy for my
1: Zips. Dude, I love Akron too, and I love all things Mac football. So anytime we get to talk about the Mac, especially Akron, go Zips, man. Hopefully they can uh, parlay that into a few more wins this year. They probably have like one game left.
0: Yeah, and I, it's a, it's against Buffalo, and they're legitimately like 40-point underdogs. So that won't happen, but that's neither here nor there. The first game up on the slate, uh, let's get into it. Georgia and Missouri. It's actually a pretty competitive game. Missouri's a lot better than I thought. Georgia still sits as a two touchdown favorite on the road here uh, over under a 54 and a half. So we'll get things started with the bulldog side of things. It hasn't been the best year for them. Uh, where are they at? Do you expect a heavy dose of the running game or will they open it up through the air?
1: They're a very game script sensitive team. And it kind of depends on if they're losing or winning in games In the first game, we saw JT Daniels play. He had 401 passing yards and threw the ball 38 times. In their second game, he only threw 16 passes. He was still efficient, but still, 16 passes isn't going to get you there. He finished with 139 yards. If they're favored by two scores here against Missouri, I don't think we see a lot of pass attempts for Daniels, and I think most of the production comes through the ground.
0: Yeah, I mean, it does seem that way. Obviously, it's been a revolving door a little bit at quarterback For Georgia this year. And they're not, I mean, they're a good team, but they're not clearly what they've been in recent years. Uh, Does that uncertainty and does the game script, does that hurt guys on the outside like Pickens, like Burton?
1: Yeah. And DraftKings did a really weird job pricing the slate this week. A lot of people are priced up a lot higher than I would would expect them to be. And George Pickens at 6,400, not only does the offense have concerns, but he has role concerns in the offense. He was the number one receiver last year, but he's dealt with injuries, The target share is depressed. He's just done nothing this year to warrant a $6,400 price tag. And Jermaine Burton has worked ahead of Kiaris Jackson as the wide receiver, too. But even that, I don't think he's done much to warrant a $5,600 price tag. So with a low total, a run-first offense, I don't see how we can really get to these receivers outside of just large field tournaments.
0: Yeah, I I kind of agree. Like I said, Georgia, they are a two-touchdown favorite, but I don't think this is a game where they run it up by any stretch. And these guys are just kind of priced where they should be. I see better value across the board. On the other side, uh, Missouri's playing better. You have to give them credit. I think they're actually a pretty solid team. They don't really stand out, though, In to me, in any like extreme way. Serviceable QB. Obviously, you've got Roundtree in the backfield, but you're going up against Georgia here. What do you make of this matchup?
1: It's definitely one of the tougher matchups that Missouri has faced. And Connor Basilic, their quarterback, he's looked very good recently. He has 300 yards passing in each of his last two games, but those came against Vanderbilt and Arkansas. So this is a pretty steep step up in competition for Basilik and the entire Missouri offense. The way they use their running backs, it's very game script dependent. Larry Roundtree, he's their early down back and he plays a lot when Missouri's competitive or playing from ahead. When they're down, they use a lot of Tyler Beatty. He's their preferred pass catching back. He has at least six targets in three straight games, and he will be in the game more if they're trailing, which bookmakers are projecting here.
0: Yeah, 4,400 for Beatty if they do fall behind. You know, not bad. Obviously, he can rack up the catches, find the end zone. On the outside, I mean, I'll be honest. Hazleton, someone, I follow Virginia Tech really closely. I thought this would be a big get for them, and – it, it hasn't been awful but he certainly hasn't transformed the offense or anything even close to that he's 4200 you've got Chisholm at 47 Knox at four and then this guy Toski Dove now that's a name uh 3800 do you have a priority list or are all these guys overmatched against the secondary
1: It's definitely a tough matchup but they're going to throw the ball a lot Someone's going to receive these targets Kiki Chisholm's the target leader on the year he's averaging 8.8 targets per game in his last four he should still play the largest role for this team. Hazelton, I'm not sure what's really happened to him. I know there was, a, a, I believe, a COVID absence. I'm not sure if he contracted it or if it was contact tracing, but he did miss some games in there. I thought he would rebound to the wide receiver number one, but he's been out-targeted by Chisholm. He's been out-targeted by Towski Dove. The one wrinkle heading into the game today is Towski Dove is questionable. He starts basically in place of Jalen Knox. Jalen Knox had played that starting receiver role earlier in the year. So I think it's more of a boost to Knox than anybody if if Dove missed. But ultimately, I would rank them Dove, price adjusted 3,800. He's my top play. Chisholm 2, Hazleton 3.
0: If Dove sits, how much does that help Chisholm and Hazleton? Do they become pretty damn solid options on this slate? Or are they still just mediocre given the matchup?
1: It's still pretty tough. I mean, Chisholm only has 369 yards this year. You're only playing them for target volume. The upside is very low with these players. So even if, you know, if Dove is active, I'm probably not playing Chisholm or Hazleton Dove, because he's so cheap is in play. It's a very tight slate. As far as salary goes, if Dove is out, I don't think I'll play anybody.
0: Yeah. I think that is pretty fair. This is a game. Everything really feels right to me. Total feels right. Spread feels right. I think it plays to that spread Missouri, Missouri will be trailing. They'll be throwing with medium success at best. So not the best to start off. We'll move on to the big 10. God, these teams, I hope this is the last game for Michigan state and Penn state. Uh, I I don't have time for them. They are playing better uh, in happy Valley. They're a 15 point home favorite for Penn state, 46 and a half total. We'll start with the road team though. Michigan state, your boy, Rocky Lombardi, uh, i believe that he's good to go. He's been a little banged up. I mean, listen, it's Penn State. They're they're playing better, but it's still a team that's got some issues. Where do you start with the Spartan side of the ball?
1: Yeah, so it's a head injury for Lombardi, at least to my knowledge and head injuries. They're typically concussions. The injury reporting in college football is a little bit different. They don't have to tell you what it is. I think it's a concussion. If he passes protocol, he'll be fine. And the good thing about this, I mean, not to say good thing, but Concussions, you'll know because they can't participate in pregame warmups if they have a concussion. So if he's out, you'll know immediately once they start warming up. I'm not interested in Thorne whatsoever. If he sits, Lombardi is even questionable. He had those two 300-yard passing games, and then he hasn't had more than 227 in any individual game since then. What we like about Michigan State, though, is they will throw the ball a lot. So similar to Missouri, I think I'm more interested in just one of the cheap receivers because they're all sub-5K. And you're going to need someone like this in your lineups if you're trying to stack the good games with a high implied team total. So Naylor's their wide receiver one. He comes in just a little bit cheaper than Jaden Reed, which I'm kind of surprised by. But I think you can target them both. Not a huge price difference between them. And those are really the only two players I'm looking for in the offense.
0: So I just want to clarify within this offense, we've got a couple contributors that are sporting Q tags. We mentioned the quarterback. We should know about that. Jordan Simmons and Ricky White uh both neither who's who do you think's in who do you think's out
1: yeah jordan simmons i'm not sure if he plays but that's a three-way timeshare if active if jordan simmons misses time we will still see elijah collins mixing with connor hayward when michigan state is trailing which game script projects they will be here neither of them is going to eclipse double digit carries that's not a situation we can target ricky white's a little more interesting Without Ricky White, they just threw Trey Mosley right into that wide receiver role. But Ricky White's an impressive freshman for this team. If he's active, I think he's in play just like Naylor and Reed.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, Ricky White uh, exploded on the scene. I believe it was against Michigan early in the year. He just had an absolutely monster game. But these guys, reasonable tags, save some salary, certainly one-offs. I wouldn't have interest in the quarterback. I don't think Michigan State plays particularly well. Maybe they can limit damage. On the other side, like I said, they're playing better, but it's been a lost season uh, from the jump. 6,400, Sean Clifford. Wh- where Where is Penn State at this point? Is there anyone that stands out?
1: They're just now straight rotating quarterbacks, and it's very specific. Clifford was the only one that threw a pass last week, but Levis still played a lot of snaps, and he handled 17 rush attempts. So it's it's platoon at the quarterback position, and I think that makes both of these guys untargetable on a 12 game slate. We just have enough other options where you're not rolling the dice on. Okay, well if Clifford comes in and he he has a, to drive on the first or he has a touchdown on the first drive, he'll play the rest of the game. We've done that a little bit with Nebraska in the past. I don't think this is a situation we want to with Penn State.
0: Um, in the backfield, Cavon Lee has emerged. Um, he and is another guy though. Do you know what his status
1: is here? I do not, you're not going to get a lot of information on a Penn state either, unless it leaks like the, the Friar move injury leaked. There hasn't been anything like that with Lee, which makes me think it's probably not significant, but you'll know again, pregame warmups. If Lee is out there, you can potentially play him. If he's out Devin Ford and Kazai Holmes will likely split work, but in back-to-back games, Lee, when he's active, he's had 22 and 18 carries respectively. So he's moving into that. I guess one, a we'll call him roll in the offense.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's getting the work. Good game script should be favorite. Doesn't seem, I mean, it's, it's early and obviously we don't have a ton of information on this guy, but you're not catching a lot of passes. He had a bunch in one game. Maybe it's game script dependent though, if they fall behind or something like that, I don't really see that happening here on the outside. uh, You've got Dotson at 65 Washington. Um, Is there really anyone else? And where do these guys fall within the
1: slate? Dotson was seeing very elevated target volume when Penn State was trailing a bunch in the beginning of the year, and now that target volume has dropped. And with Fryermouth out, Washington's targets have ascended while Dotson's are declining. So in their last four games, you actually have Parker Washington 7.5 targets per game in that span. Dotson's just at 7.8. So I don't think that really warrants a 2.1K price difference on this slate if I need to play a Penn state receiver with an uncertain quarterback situation, I'll just take the punt play in Washington. That's a, that's a common theme with some of these teams that aren't exactly, you know, the, the best teams on the slate. I'm looking to punt more with them than anything else. Just punt with target volume.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a way, like you just mentioned target volume, you're going to allow, save some salary, get some big time stacks. Cause we have some games we're going to get to, Uh, I do want to say, as I do often, of people saturday morning we get the crew in here uh we appreciate it hit the like button for us let's pump up the likes let's get it going if you haven't subscribed to the channel do that too hit the notification bell um we have so much content mma which literally i guess is every week i didn't know
1: that uh it's it's a great fight tonight
0: okay it's a great fight tonight you're gonna see an anaconda choke apparently um all sorts of shenanigans in that octagon obviously it says it right on the screen we've got an nba weekly pass for a dollar Using the promo code Caruso, you get some preseason all the way up to December 29th. There is no reason not to do that. Obviously, all the tools, projections, ownership, everything that Alex put together for the regular season is fantastic. And obviously, we're going to have shows covering the preseason for you as well, even though that's pretty lawless. Um, Our producer is super chatting, so I guess I have to shout him out. Jordan Klein, behind the glass, man of the people. Anything else else? In this Big Ten game, I am not betting. The first two games, I have zero interest in betting either of them.
1: I don't have any interest in betting either. I think we hit on everything. It's it's just a game I would consider for one-offs. It's, I'm not trying to stack it. I think the quarterback situation both isn't great. The totals really low, so it's, it's not really a situation I'm trying to get to. Third
0: game up. This is a pretty good one, especially for DFS. Louisville, two-point favorite at home, 62.5 total. Again, obviously, it's late in the season, so it's no shock. We've seen these teams quite a bit start with the wake forest side though uh is a team i will take donovan green finally uh he did some things it's a pretty good matchup obviously it's supposed to be a competitive game both implied totals are healthy uh start with the wake side of the bowl where do you see the best place to attack
1: wake is another team that's very game script sensitive which is something i like to target in tournaments because i think people don't necessarily get a great glimpse of how they like to play so In competitive games, Sam Hartman is going to pass the ball a ton, and that's not really reflected in his average pass attempts per game. But we've seen Sam Hartman – I can't remember who they played. Maybe it was Virginia Tech or something. Do you remember that ceiling game where Hartman was when – he was in a bunch of – maybe it was against North Carolina. I can't remember. A bunch of GPPs had Sam Hartman, and they stacked him.
0: It was North Carolina. They scored like – it was like 100 points total or something insane. That game was back and forth.
1: Yeah. Hartman was in the GPP winning lineup of the big DK tournament that week. And I believe he was stacked with either Roberson or green in those competitive games. I love, yeah. Love the target. I love Donovan green too, man. I like, I I thought he was going to be better than Roberson, but that hasn't played out anyway. So Hartman for that, that reason, I think you can stack him for sure. He's not expensive. His receivers, Roberson's middling in price, but he's really emerged as the number one receiver for this team, averaging nearly 95 yards per game, 10 targets per game in his last four. And Donovan Green is the second most targeted receiver on the team, and he's averaging 7.3 targets per game. That's a sharp increase from what we saw him in the beginning of this season receiving. And he's also their downfield receiver. He's second on the team in receiving yards. And if we had air yards, I'm sure he would be like breaking the air yards models that people would create. The one situation to monitor is Nolan Grew. AT Perry's status in, is in doubt, and Grew has played a full time receiving role in the offense over the last three weeks, at least a route on 84% of dropbacks for him, and he's the stone min.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you're talking about guys at the literal min, it's just a lineup construction benefit. Uh, obviously, they need to do something, but you just get permutations that you can't get anywhere else. I'll second Donovan green. Again, I, obviously he got the price bump 4,100. We had both said, you know, not that it was a guarantee by any stretch, but when you're a downfield threat like that, the upside's immense. And even at 56, uh, the floor is not great, but you know, when you're catching 60 yard touchdowns, potentially, you don't need that many targets to, to get there. And Hartman, this offense in a game where this could go anyway, like I said, two point spread, anything in the backfield, uh, Beal Smith, do you like that more than the passing
1: game or would you rather go to the outside? I do like Beal Smith more than the passing game. I actually like Wake Forest in the game. This is, I don't have a lot of bets this week, but I have Wake Forest. I already took them earlier this week. So Louisville, I mean, they've lost so many playmakers to opt outs. I was very surprised to see them coming in as the favorite in this game. And Beal Smith draws a phenomenal matchup against the poor Louisville run defense. I mean, both run defenses in this game are really bad. They both allow over 185 yards per game. Kenneth Walker opted out of the season. So Christian Beal Smith is going to see a larger workload and he was already seeing a fairly sizable workload averaging 15.6 opportunities per game prior to the opt-out. He's going to see a voluminous workload today and I can't really get him to project any lower than where i have them in the projections on osmo like he just stands out as a very strong price adjusted play even though they're slight underdogs in this spot
0: yeah oh, listen this is a good game to attack on the other side speaking of garnering interest des fit patrick season is about to commence uh so louisville hawkins obviously went to you know he opted out at
1: Chumba, No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Well has now followed. Um, what does that mean for this offense? What does it mean for Malik Cunningham, who's almost $9,000? And then is Desi Patrick poised sub 6k to really take a leap?
1: We have a tiny sample size where we saw this happen. Tutu will missed a game. Uh, it was like two or three games back and Hawkins had already opted out. Fitzpatrick had a really big day and he had eight targets in the game. He already has a 23.6 target share in the offense. Fitzpatrick's a strong price adjusted play. And now we get the wide receiver too, Braden Smith at 3,500, who is also going to walk into a larger role prior to the opt-out. He was already averaging five targets per game in his last four. And he's seen at least in Atwell's recent absence, he saw five targets in that game and his ceiling has really increased with Atwell out of the picture. In a competitive game here with a strong game environment, a high total, Braden Smith is one of the best price adjusted plays on the slate at 3,500.
0: Do you feel the need to go to Cunningham in these type of lineups? Or are you looking more towards like a one-off salary relief with the receivers?
1: I think he's in play, but you know, in Cunningham's price range, we have a lot of players that I think I just have more overall interest in. So, Cunningham is 8900 He's more expensive than Sam Howell. He's more expensive than Brady White, Grayson McCall. Like Clayton Toon, I think is a good price adjusted play. And he's only 400 less than Derek King. So Cunningham with the opt-outs, I'm not sure I'll get a ton of him. I like the cheaper receivers.
0: Do you think, last question, and we'll move to uh, the Rutgers game. In the backfield, obviously the Hawkins out, it's been, it's been by committee Is there anyone that stands out uh, if they do win this game, obviously positive game script, they could control it on the ground per se. Is there one of these backs that you would go
1: to if you had to roll the dice? Not really. I guess I would probably go cheaper with Hassan Hall. I just don't see the reason to pay for Mitchell. He's over 2k more expensive and the role's not drastically different. He's seen just a few more opportunities per game overhaul. So I think just punting there would be how I would approach it.
0: Fair enough. So you like wake in
1: the game. Yes, I, ha- I have a bet on Wig already.
0: All right, so we got a bet on the board. Uh, first of many. Moving on, here we go. Rutgers, Maryland. Rutgers is a six and a half point dog going into College Park, 58 point total. Oh boy, um, I guess we'll start with old old Rutgers who, you know, compared to some of the seasons actually hasn't been that bad but it's still uh, their quarterback situation. I don't even know what to make of it, to be honest. I guess Vedral gets first crack at it. Uh, where do they stand and what, is, what does Rutgers do offensively in this one?
1: Yeah, Vedral's on like his 17th team at this point. He's transferred like four times, but he's the presumed starter. He does seed some pass game work to Johnny Langan. Occasionally, Langan's played, I think, in each of the last three games. Arthur Sitkowski started their second most recent game, but he's – shockingly worse than Vidral. Vidral does have a little bit of rushing upside so I think he's I don't want to even say he's in play but he projects like kind of well I still don't think there's a lot of upside with Vidral. the other players I think you can maybe take a look at some of the receivers but Be- not Bo Melton though Bo Melton is egregiously expensive he's done nothing to warrant a 7k price tag but then conversely Shamim Jones is playing a full-time role in the offense and he's 3.4k so the price difference there is Egregious in my opinion. I would just play Shameen Jones. A lot of people are talking about Crookshank. Crookshank is like a 50% snap player and he's like gadget guy. He's used a lot on like those touch passes and around type plays. But Jones ran around on 90% of drop backs compared to 52% for Crookshank. That's a pretty easy pivot for me.
0: Just jumping back to the Louisville game for a second though, would you rather pay down with louisville second receiver or Shameen Jones, similar price point in the mid threes?
1: Definitely, definitely the Louisville receiver. Definitely Smith. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, Anything else on the the Rutgers side before we flip to Maryland? They use a timeshare in their backfield. I don't think you're targeting Pacheco or anyone there, really. Rutgers is a tough team to get to. It's pretty much just Shameen Jones, or I'll be looking elsewhere.
0: Maryland side, uh, we've got to his brother, 7,100. I think it's honestly pretty reasonable. He's got some upside minimal but still some positive rushing potential got a couple guys on the outside including demas Raheem uh, rakeem jarrett eh, i'm still not over over the moon in targeting this type of team but they do have some personnel where do you look to the maryland passing game or do you think it's more
1: uh in the backfield maryland's a tough team to target this week i think they have a great matchup against rutgers like you mentioned rutgers has improved I think Rutgers' main weakness as a defense comes in the run game. So you can really attack them with runners. The Maryland rushing attack is kind of hard to get to, in my opinion. Jake Funk is very expensive. Missed their most recent game with a COVID absence, I believe. But even prior to his absence, he had ceded additional work to Isaiah Jacobs and Penny Boone. They're also expected to return Ta'on Fleet Davis this week, who is, he'd been satisfying a suspension his return just renders this kind of an ugly timeshare. Funk still probably leads the way, but I have no confidence in his carry projection right now. He'll project well if you give him his current workload that he's been receiving earlier this year, but I think it could be a little bit depressed with the return of Fleet Davis and Penny Boone, Isaiah Jacobs seeing more work.
0: On the outside, again, you talk about COVID, uh, Rakeem Jarrett had dealt with some of that He did nothing against Indiana, but he's had some big-time games. Where, where is he at at 5,300? Do you like
1: him more than Demas?
0: Uh, or, again, is this passing game something you may
1: not touch? There, So there are rumors circulating that Maryland is going to have COVID absences again today. I There's a rumor floating around that Tagovailoa might have it. Maryland's been dealing with a COVID outbreak for about four or five weeks now, and they haven't gotten it under control. So just my, I don't know who is going to be out or if anybody – just monitor Maryland really close to game time. This happened last time we had Maryland on the slate. Rakeem Jarrett was very cheap, and a lot of people were trying to play Rakeem Jarrett. And like five minutes before lock, we got news that Rakeem Jarrett was out with a COVID absence. So I would watch this team really closely. Obviously, Rakeem Jarrett's already had it, so he should be fine and be in play. Demas, to my knowledge, has not. He's played in every single game this year. Obviously, his loss would be huge, and it would make Jarrett a much better play. I have no idea who will sit Between the two, if everybody's active, I think Demas is a much better play. He has a 33% target share on the team. That's been consistent with Jarrett on the field, without Jarrett on the field. He's the play I would look to first and foremost in the offense. Jarrett would be number two, though. He's their big five-star recruiter. When he's been active, his snaps and targets have risen in each of the three games.
0: Yeah, I mean, the talent is there. How they – I think we've talked about this on the show. How they got him is beyond me in several areas, but – Gotta We just have to wait and see. You, you mentioned it's one of the many reasons. Give Matt a follow on Twitter. I suggested that you give me a follow uh, as a finder's fee. He'll keep you up to date because some of this news is going to break after this show ends, and it makes all the difference. It's been one of the true exploitable edges on the DFS market it is staying up to speed in college football and college basketball, uh, not just on the betting side. So make sure to do that. We move on to the SEC. Bama, 32-point favorite. Going into Arkansas, over under 68. I mean, Bama scores 50 on their own seemingly every week. What's there to say? So we've got Mac Jones firmly in the Heisman. Run, I think he's behind Trask personally, but that's neither here nor there. Ninety five hundred dollars. We've got Najee ninety two. We've got Devontae Smith. Literally, his prop is like 175 yards every week. Uh, he's coming off a eight for two thirty one and three. He's got double digit pass uh, receptions touchdowns receiving touchdowns in four straight games uh, 11 total in those four games you know you want to pay up for one of these guys a can you can you stack or b is it a one-off and who would you want to pay up for
1: Devontae Smith has just been like a lock and load play for me anytime he's below 9k that's generally with Mac Jones also below 9k so I obviously you want to play Mac Jones you want to play Devontae Smith but now you're running into an interesting problem How do you stack these two guys together at 9,500 for Jones and at 10 K for Smith? I think it's really hard. I have some lineups already built where Smith is just a one-off play. I, I do think you want a piece of Alabama. If I'm stacking, it's probably Mac Jones to John Mechie who's their number two receiver, but he's still averaging a strong 72 receiving yards per game. I think he deserves to be popular just given his attachment to the Mac Jones, Alabama led offense Smith. I'm just, man, that stack is so expensive and i'm not sure i can get to it reasonably
0: oh yeah i mean the stack is brutal. obviously i would assume you think it's impossible basically to go jones harris and smith
1: yeah there's no chance
0: okay uh for me if i had to order them devonte smith he is almost unstoppable even when he doesn't quote unquote have a an absolute dangerous blow up game you're still looking at like 35 40 it seems. it honestly seems that that's almost the baseline and arkansas we've seen in a couple you know top end games they score they get blown out and i don't expect them to hang in this game but it's not like they can't put up three or four touchdowns here if they do that and it forces bama to hang 60 i i think you have to strongly consider paying 10k for him i know i'm not breaking any news with how good he is but uh, to me this is a team you absolutely have have to have exposure to their implied total is sky high someone's going to have a blow up game on alabama there's no way around it
1: yeah and i don't really buy into this stuff like they're going to bench mac jones at halftime like they're trying to get him the heisman yeah. i don't he's going to he's going to be out there maybe if they're winning by like 40 in the third quarter he comes out but if that's the case mac jones likely had a lot to do with it
0: yeah i mean listen could they pull chat just said that could they pull Mac Jones? Absolutely. But if they do, it means that Mac Jones has had his chance, uh, to get there already. Like they're not gonna pull him when it's twenty eight nothing. They're gonna pull him when it's fifty two nothing and I'll give me seven touchdowns up for grabs. He he can get there. Um I do yeah, the, it, go ahead.
1: The concerns are valid. It's it's price related. It's not it's not getting benched, it's just him paying off that salary. And in a stack with Devontae Smith, like my goodness, man, You're you, if you run this stack, you're literally going to punt three wide receivers. Like, the, your other two wide receivers in your flex play are going to be, like, Braden Smith, Crookshank, and I don't know, like, I don't, someone out, Shameen Jones.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not great. Um, and, yeah, it, like I said, it's certainly a warranted concern. I, I just think that he'll have ample opportunities to get that work, uh, and they're just so explosive. On the other side, like I said, I mean – Arkansas has shown some ability to hang in some games, but obviously I think it starts with what's going on with Felipe Franks. Do you expect to see him under center?
1: He was a really and active last week. He, I know he had the rib injury. I fully expected him to play and then just, you know, pregame warmups, boom, there he is. He's out. And it's a significant downgrade to KJ Jefferson. In my opinion, I am a lot more interested in this game. If Franks plays, he's not, I don't want to call him like a dynamic passer, but he is efficient enough to at least keep this game competitive and put points on the board for his own team. So I'm not really interested in starting Franks himself, but I'm very interested in Franks just for runbacks on the Arkansas side. And it's Traylon Burks. He's their alpha receiver, 25% target share for him. He's averaging 99.4 receiving yards per game. He's the preferred runback. And then they've had a lot of injuries. Devon Warren tore his ACL. So Mike Woods is very cheap as their second receiver, 4,500 for him. He's the clear wide receiver too, and he has a pretty significant tar- target share as well for this team. I'm fine with both of them as run backs, but it's a little conditional on Felipe Franks playing. And we should mention the backs here: Raheem Boyd opted out, so Traylon Smith has a massive workload. The question with Traylon Smith is: Are you willing to pay six to three hundred for a running back that's a near thirty-five point underdog?
0: Yeah, I, that's the problem. He's going to get phased out in some capacity. Even though he has a you know monopoly on on the work, I would rather go to Burks. Uh, listen, they could put up some points. I, I don't think they're going to hang in this game by any stretch. Nobody does. But Franks is something we have to. Uh, let me ask you this: How much does Franks's status impact what you do with the Bama side?
1: I think a pretty good amount. I, yeah, I agree. If they play KJ Jefferson and they just get up to a huge lead, I. I saw Chris in the chat talking about Mac Jones getting his stats and getting out with injury. I think that risk is elevated if Franks is out, just because the game will not be as competitive. Alabama's defense is not what it once was. We've seen a couple of teams really rack up yardage on this Alabama team. And Arkansas has yeah. done that to some teams too.
0: Including Florida, including a and um, it, it can be done. Yeah, old Miss ran circles around this Bama defense. Uh, Man, I like Ole Miss went out for Trey Knox. Every time we could talk about Arkansas. Uh, I don't know a, what happened, dude. Nothing. I don't. I have your guess is as good as mine, but stick to Burks, keep an eye on Franks and, and we'll see what happened. Bama obviously getting ready for much bigger game next week. All right. We go to the game playing played at West point, which is actually, I really wish I was going. Uh, that rarely happens. We got army and Navy. We, never get a game like this, 37 and a half point total. That's what happens when there's probably only five to 10 passes in this game total. What do you do with a game like this on the DFS side? Uh, Do you just completely omit it or, or is there something to talk about here?
1: Man, this is usually one of my favorite weekends of the year because this is the, generally in non COVID times. This is the only game scheduled for this weekend. So you're like, yep. everybody watches the armed forceful college game days there. And it's like, Death by 1,000 paper cuts, as my brother likes to call it. That's how Army and Navy play with their triple option offenses. For DFS, I think you're probably just xing it out. Both teams, Navy in particular, rotates quarterbacks. Xavier Arlene is going to get the start this year. But the dude, I mean, he's 5'9", like 165 pounds. He carried 27 times last week, and he only got 60 yards. Navy is having a very down year, so I automatically think you can't target anyone there. They rotate fullbacks between Carothers and Nelson Smith. Their slotbacks don't receive a lot of work. On Army, they moved to Ty Here Tyler as their signal caller, and he carried 36 times, had 100 yards. And what I like most about Ty here Tyler, he fumbled twice in that game and they left him in. So his, his leash at least is a little bit longer than the Navy signal callers. But the real question you have to ask yourself when targeting an Army quarterback, do you want to play one of them instead of a real signal caller on this slate? You essentially have to think of them as a running back. Ty here, Tyler might attempt less than five passes today. Sure. He could rush the ball 25 times, but is that the same kind of upside you are getting with another quarterback on the slate? Even a cheap quarterback, throw in a cheap one, Petras, anyone you want is the upside the same. And I generally say, no, the only time I play armed forces quarterbacks is when they're near the minimum. And Ty here, Tyler, even at 5,800 is a little bit expensive for me.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, there's nothing to say there. Obviously, Also, these defenses, not to say they're they're top-end defenses, but they're certainly equipped with a triple option for obvious reasons. Like, It's just not a great situation. The over-under is sub-40. The game is going to fly. There's just not a a ton of upside. I wanted to bet Army. If it got under seven, I might do it, but it's not. It's holding pretty strong at seven and a half. Anything can happen in this game. I don't think I'm going to lay north of a touchdown, so... Unfortunately, it's a great game in general, but I'm not going to be doing much with it. Uh, but
1: that's yeah, good. I, I agree with you. I got it at six and a half earlier in the week. Ah. So I have army, but it's the you laid out the number I'm very, very keen on.
0: Yep. And that speaks to the importance of Odd shopper, which of course, if you have an oddshopper.awesomo.com, get in there, try to find the best, not try to find, they present the best lines for you. And again, that speaks to it. You grab the sharp number, I'm a donkey, and I waited. Not great. Uh, We'll see what we can do about that. Moving on. I say your boy a lot on the show. I mean it this time. Your boys, Coastal Carolina, undefeated 13 and a half point favorite, uh, over under a 52 going into Troy. In theory, this is probably a giant trap game. It's a huge hangover effect coming off what was an impressive win against BYU. BYU screwed the game up multiple times, but still want to give credit to Coastal. Where do they go from here, though? Uh, obviously, Grayson McCall's just been unbelievable as a true freshman. I don't think anyone predicted this. Maribel is fantastic, but these guys are not cheap. Uh, you're talking about mid-8K price tags for the main weapons on Coastal, and they do like to control the clock. Does that hurt the upside? Do you think you can go there in a two-touchdown-esque favorite?
1: I do think it hurts the upside a lot. And the way this coastal team plays, it's not really conducive to DFS unless they come in a little bit cheaper and in their competitive games, neither of which project to be the case here. McCall at 8,300, he's not going to get there as a passer. He's averaging 204 yards per game. And even that's a little bit rich. It's coming through a lot of efficiency because he's only throwing the ball 21 times per game, but he's a good rusher. He's only absorbed nine sacks this year. So he's very equipped to deal with pressure already has 433 yards But still, I think there's better dual threat quarterbacks like Jordan Travis a little bit cheaper on the slate. That really hurts his pass catchers too. Javion Hiley, he is, I guess you can call him the alpha receiver, but at 6K, you're paying for four and a half targets per game. That's not ideal. I'd rather pay down for their tight end, Isaiah Likely. He's playing through an injury that's going to require surgery at the end of the season. I believe he has a broken foot that he's playing through. He's averaging four targets per game. So I just think the 1.5K you'd save there, is worth it but ultimately I'm not paying any of the pass catchers and even with CJ Maribel they're going to reduce his touches significantly in blowouts and you don't have to go very far back to see this if we go back two and three games Maribel had just five carries in each of those games obviously they weren't as competitive games but that's exactly what we project to see here with Coastal favored by two scores
0: yeah I think you you summed it up nicely with just Coast Carolina is a great team, but they're not a great DFS team. The way they play, it's just not conducive. They control the clock. They have timely passing and likely is a matchup problem, but the volume, I mean, at 45, he has some room, but you're not going to see, barring something really unforeseen, like 10 targets to him. It just doesn't really happen. They're not built like that. On the other side, I do think, not again, not a great DFS spot. Troy, I, I do want to see what they do in this game. Uh, you've got Gunnar Watson pretty cool name. Not bad. Uh, 5,600 Geiger, Todd. There's a couple weapons there. There's just a lot of guys in these price ranges. So I guess the simple question is, does anyone on Troy stand out for their price point among the other guys on the slate?
1: Not really. It's a function of what Coastal Carolina does more than what Troy does. Troy, they're not exactly a fast offense. They're a little bit below average, 72 plays per game, but they pass 59% of the time. So when teams can keep it somewhat competitive, you will see enough pass attempts for some of these receivers to at least hit like PPR value. But against Coastal Carolina, who's going to depress the the play volume for their opponents, I don't really see a ton of value here for for Geiger, for Todd, or even Khalil McClain. And Gunnar Watson, he'll throw the ball a ton, just like we mentioned, but he takes negative rushing yards almost on a weekly basis through sacks. So Gunnar Watson's kind of out of play as well for me.
0: So obviously not relevant to the slate, but I do want to ask you, we're going to have some time and and chat. We'll try to get in some questions at the end. How good do you think Coastal Carolina is?
1: So what, this is kind of a difficult question to answer. You mean like a college football playoff team? Like how relative are we talking?
0: Yeah. I mean, after seeing, seeing them beat BYU, do you think that speaks more that BYU is not Cincinnati? Do you think that they are like a Cincinnati and Coastal belongs in that conversation? uh obviously they're not going to make the playoffs we all know that but where do you think they actually fall
1: i'm not sure that they're worse than cincinnati like cincinnati hasn't played a single good team this year and they just lost their best opponent of the year like cincinnati's stone dead to make the college football playoff unless they can schedule a non-conference team coastal i mean as far as the g5 teams go they have to be considered the best at this point just because cincinnati's strength of schedule has been so easy and their ranking is pretty egregious to me i think coastal should be above cincinnati right now Interesting. So, like, Cincinnati's a good team, but who have they played? No, nobody.
0: And I, we'll see what they do against Tulsa. I'm a, I think Cincinnati's really good, personally. Uh,
1: I think Tulsa's really good.
0: Yeah. Well, when Tulsa is swiftly, swiftly dis- dispatched by, it should have been twice, but that's neither here nor there. I, <laughs> I guess I would just love to see, like, last question. Then we'll move on. Like I said, we have some time. If they were playing someone like Iowa State on a neutral field, like, where do you think that spread falls? A couple touchdowns.
1: Coastal Iowa, Iowa Coastal State
0: versus Iowa State, neutral field,
1: like 11, somewhere between nine and a half and 11 fair. and a half.
0: Okay, that's fair. We'll call it 10. Um, yeah, good for the Chanticleers. You know what, just just the fact that we have that discussion shows how good of year it's been for them. But this is probably the biggest game on the slate. We've got to the ACC, North Carolina and Miami over under 70. So we got a lot to talk about here. Kane's three point home favorite listen, we, we know about all these weapons. We'll start with UNC, Sam Howell, you know, he didn't get in the Heisman discussion, but he still had a pretty big year, 26 touchdowns, six picks, $8,800. He's got his, he's got his weapons up and down the board with Brown and Newsom, the backs floor is yours. How do you think UNC attacks this Miami defense?
1: Miami's defense is pretty good. So I don't think there's a clear path to success for them. Miami's defense has been stout against the run and the pass this year. So I think UNC is probably going to try to bully them with their strong offensive line, at least at first. They, obviously, they returned four starters this year, one of the best offensive lines in the country. And they have two amazing backs in Javante Williams, Michael Carter. It was two, three weeks ago where we had Javante Williams at near 10K and Michael Carter at 6K. And that price wasn't warranted for Williams because the workload is exactly the same. Javante Williams is averaging 16.1 touches per game. Michael Carter is averaging 16 on the dot. They're both averaging 93 rushing yards per game. One has 28 targets. The other has 27. This is literally a 50-50 split down the middle identical workload. So I usually play who's cheaper and who's lower owned. This week, it happens to be Javante Williams. You're splitting hairs here. You can play either one because they're so close in price. And I think both of them are strong plays.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're you're obviously just talking about some sort of a coin toss here. You can throw the other thing I just want to quickly talk about I don't obviously playing Western Carolina means absolutely nothing so if you see Javante Williams the Notre Dame game of course was disappointing Western Carolina means nothing that's not a real team uh you throw that out so if I had to roll the dice it'd probably be them do you feel the same way on the outside uh we've talked all year about Newsom versus Brown uh the price only $300 difference now
1: yeah, it's, it's amazing how far we've come. We thought yep. this should be the price early in the year. Daz Newsom was seeing like two targets a game. I still like Brown more, and it's because of the way he's used. And you can see that it is reflected in like receiving yards. So Brown has 932 receiving yards. Daz is down at 601. Daz is a slot receiver. He's used underneath low eight out throws. Diami Brown is used downfield. He's more of their dynamic alpha receiver. When prices converge to this point, you see Dynamic at 6.6. And Daz at 6.3, I'll just take Diami.
0: Is there anybody else, and I'm, I'm with you, I kind of rolled that way all year, and I think if I was playing this situation, I would go there. Anyone has a third fiddle on the outside, or is it really you're just looking at if you're going to use Howell, it's you have your two guys on the outside if you want to take a back. Is there any third receiver that could emerge?
1: I don't think so. Bo Corrales, he's done for the year. And they've been rotating Emory Simmons and Coffrey Brown behind him. That's what we like a lot about North Carolina is their distribution of opportunity is so narrow. You're basically just targeting Howell, Williams, Carter, Brown, and Newsom.
0: And the good, yeah, you mentioned, and when you have a team that can score like this, you can capture all of the production, all of the touchdowns. And it allows you, you've talked extensively about this on this show, it allows you to stack non-correlated plays and still get there potentially with an offense like that because all the touchdowns are confined to, say, four or five guys. And if they hang 60, Howell can get there, the backs can get there, and the receivers can get there. Uh, so keep that in mind. Now, Miami, I know it's a high total, but I don't think they're just going to go in there and start slinging it wildly with great success. Uh, if they do, though, Miami can keep up. We obviously know... Deer King. I mean, one of the best dual threats in the country. Loved him at Houston. Love him here. $9,300. Where does he fall against guys like Mac Jones and even Howell to an extent?
1: I like his price a little bit better than, than Mac Jones. And we also like deer King because he can get it done with his legs. You mentioned the rushing upside. He already has 467 rushing yards this year. So that's awesome. It's a great game environment here. North Carolina's defense is very good, but Miami is actually projected to win this game. So King being involved in both phases of the game, I think it makes him a strong price adjusted play, even in the upper echelon of the prices.
0: Question, next question. So if you want to go to King, you're going to have the opportunity to run him kind of alone and hope he does it with the legs. If he doesn't though, you have Mike Harley at 72, you have D Wiggins at 4,600 and then the tight end, uh, who I believe will be a pro Brevin Jordan. He is a serious, serious threat on the outside too at 5k. Do you have a priority of stacking with King? Do you think stacking with King is is a misguided attempt how would you attack Miami's offense in that way?
1: I don't think it's misguided. King has a lot of upside as a passer too. He's averaging 260 yards. I don't think it's necessary, but if it works and you want to stack the whole game, I think it is an Avenue to King having a ceiling game. Like King could honestly have a ceiling game with his legs or through the air. So I'm, I'm comfortable with either. As far as stacking options, I don't know what Mike Harley has done to pay off like 7.2K <laughs> this year. Yeah, He's averaging 6.6 targets per game. He's a slot only receiver. And Brevin Jordan's back. This is another, it's similar to like George Pickens. Like what has Mike Harley done to deserve a 7.2 price tag? And Brevin Jordan's at 5K. When both are healthy, Brevin Jordan had a shoulder injury. He also missed some time with a COVID absence their target volume is almost identical when they're in the picture together. So I'll just play Brevin Jordan and D Wiggins. He has a 17% target share. He's very cheap. If you just need a punt.
0: Yeah. Harley, uh, honestly, it kind of reminds me of Bo Melton that we talked about. He's at flat seven too. It's just like, I get it in theory, but I'm just not going to pay that type of price. I think there's better options Um, in the backfield, Cameron Harris, anything there, or do you think that with King's ability to get loose on the ground
1: and the passing
0: potential upside, Uh, that it's not really a spot to attack.
1: I don't think it's a spot to attack. If you just isolate King's rushing yards, so obviously in college football, sacks count as negative rushing yards, so it distorts statistics a little bit. If you just look at rushing yards with King on designed runs, King is the leading rusher on this team.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that even, it's not going to be changing today in my mind. They need this game competitive. UNC easily could be up and that'll force, king honestly to run more and pass more so th- this is a great game it's going to be a popular stack last question and then we'll move on we got a couple games left do you see any way that you could play howell and king uh in the same lineup and really go for it
1: yeah you could for sure in that case you're probably fading like a Devonte smith you're probably playing like a john mechie for leverage or something it's just a different construction but there's ways to make it work Most of that salary you need to get them is going to have to come at the expense of the Alabama players, though.
0: Correct. And if you're doing that, I absolutely love what you just said. Alabama's going to score That's a fact. What you need to hope is that Najee and Smith only have one or maybe even two when someone like Mechie or Billingsley steals a couple and keeps it or the defense scores twice or something. That's probably the best way to leverage, though, would be Mechie. If you're going to do the double stack in this game, anything else before we move to literally the polar opposite of this
1: game in every way. I don't think so. I just, just target this game. Make sure you have some of it. If unless you're just playing huge tournaments and you're stacking elsewhere, if you're playing low risk contest cash games, you should have pieces of this one.
0: Yeah. Cash. And we can touch upon this at the end, but like cash quarterback, Derek King for you.
1: He's in my cash lineup right now. It's, it's yeah. him and, and Mr. Travis.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. that. <laughs> It wouldn't be a slate unless we can talk some seminal football. My God. All right. Wisco going into Iowa city to play Iowa. Chad, this is where, here we go. Get ready. I've been good all show. I haven't said anything stupid yet. I got takes on this one. Iowa is a, seemingly a two point underdog at home, 41 and a half point total. We'll get the DFS side out of the way. So I can start ranting about the betting side of this Wisconsin, your Badgers is garbage they've scored 13 points yeah they're yours they've scored 13 points in two games combined uh they're coming off a game where they were a 13 point favorite and they lost outright I believe I had that one uh Mertz I don't know how bad Illinois was but since then he's done absolutely nothing they don't throw the ball anyway so it doesn't matter is there anything to talk about with this Wisconsin offense that's done literally nothing in recent weeks
1: the biggest surprise to me here is that you're surprised the Badgers have scored, what is it, 13 points in two combined games? Yeah, seven and six, both losses. Yeah, that is not surprising to me whatsoever, but I I live in Wisconsin. I've been a part of this for years now.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to have a question for you in a couple minutes then about that. Oh, uh, right. Is there anything relevant for DFS or can we just straight get
1: rid of Wisconsin? The runners are semi-interesting. The Badgers will run the ball like 35 times per game, so Berger at 5.4K is at least a consideration. He has 15 carries exactly, in his three appearances this year, 89 rushing yards per game. I think that makes him a serviceable target. He's the only one I'm interested in.
0: Do you worry that it's going to be snowing?
1: I'm looking outside. It's not snowing yet. They said it was supposed to start snowing last night, and it's just been just raining. Well, I don't know.
0: It could be. A I can actually give Iowa. you boots
1: on the ground in Wisconsin. It's not snowing right now. It's
0: the games in Iowa.
1: Oh well. I mean, if you sorry. want to travel
0: down to Iowa City, I mean, no one. Everyone says you're super committed to the product, so I expect you to. Uh, get down there by kickoff.
1: Well, I didn't know the game was in Iowa till right now. It tells you how much interest I have in this game, even from a betting standpoint. I'm absolutely not making that drive to see the Badgers play. But as far as snow on the ground, it's not going to hurt the run game. If anything, it hurts the pass game.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the pass game was non-existent. Um, Nothing with Groshek.
1: I mean, he gets most of his work as a pass catcher. He's the weirdest player in college football. I'm convinced of it. Part-time fullback, part-time third down back, part-time goal line back. I mean, he's averaging like the third most targets per game on this team, but they're all coming from dump offs.
0: Yeah, I got nothing. All right, Iowa side. And then, like I said, get ready. Buckle up chat uh, for for my rants. Iowa Petrus is a game manager at best, if I'm being flattering. Um, under 200 yards passing per game. Obviously, they want to keep it on the ground with Goodson and Sargent. But if there's one thing that Wisconsin has, it's a fantastic defense. Do you really want to be attacking them uh, on the DFS side?
1: I do not. Goodson 7.5K. There's a lot of players in the 6K range I'm interested in. I'd rather play a UNC back. I'd rather play Christian Beale-Smith.
0: Okay. We got that out of the way. You've said during this conversation, you're not surprised that Wisconsin has scored 13 total points in two games. The game is now in Iowa, which you now know. Why coming off a loss to Indiana where Jack... Tuttle had to play because Penix is out for the year. Why is Iowa underdog at home?
1: I I don't know. I honestly think, uh, you know, I was on a run right now. They played horribly to start the year. And if they're a negative game script, I think there's almost no chance they come back th- because Petras just can't do it. If they're up ahead, obviously, I, I think Iowa's a fantastic team because Wisconsin has the same problems. They also can't come from behind because their quarterback and their reluctance to throw the ball really hinders them.
0: I know this seems a little square, but I, I, like I said, I liked Indiana a lot last week in Wisconsin. I don't understand why I was not favorite. I think that they not roll them, but to me, they are finding a groove and it's somewhat a product of matchups and they have the same problems you just mentioned. These are carbon copies. If either of these team gets up by 10 or more points, I really don't know how the other team is going to come back. Uh, they're just not built to do that. Uh, both teams have very solid defenses. Give me Iowa at home as a, it's not, I don't even view it as a live dog, but I have Iowa going away in this game.
1: I'm not going to bet it. Just I, I'm not as confident in Iowa as you are having watched them earlier in the year, but I do agree with you. Whoever I think gets down in this game early probably loses the game.
0: Yeah. I may look to, depending on your site and this is, I could probably count on one hand, the number of times I do this during a year. I may look to see if there are any bets where it's, half-time, full-time type bets and bet Iowa-Iowa. Because Iowa. it does feel like this could be a wire-to-wire type game uh, for either team, honestly.
1: I think it could either. I think it's going to be close. Low scoring, the spread and total reflect that. Everything we know about these teams reflect that. Both two run-first teams can't pass where the lick.
0: Wisconsin is just, yeah. After last week, I have to do it. Um, all right, we'll move on. We've got a couple games left and then we'll get some questions. Houston and Memphis. They wrap up the season. Uh, these teams, like every, have had a bunch of cancellations. We haven't seen them at times. Clayton Tune. We got Brady White. Over under sixty three. Houston five point road favorite. So we'll start with them. Uh, what's left of this team? Like I said, you've got Tune at seventy eight hundred. Stevenson. Well, I don't know exactly where he's at. He had a Q tag again. This team has just been you know jumbled around all year with the schedule, where does Houston fall for you on the priority list? And do you like the the situation against
1: Memphis? I like this game a lot. I'm surprised the total's not higher. It's pretty modest, but I think there's reason for upside here. Houston is going to be much healthier today. Their coach Holgerson, he did a press conference earlier the week. They've had some of the worst. I don't want to call it luck. It could be poor handling, but they haven't had great situations with COVID this year. They've missed a ton of players. And he said they're going to have 72 players at least, with them on this trip. That means Stevenson should be back. He's already dealt with COVID. I, assuming he's not hurt. He also had an injury, but I think we'll see, Stevens, we'll see Stevenson today. Trayvon Bradley could also return. There just hasn't been an update on his status. If you look on DraftKings, he's listed as out, but that report is from November 14th. That was a month ago. Trayvon Bradley, we have no idea if he plays. He was second on the team in targets before his absences. That's really cheap, easy stacking partners with Toon. And if you look to earlier this year, Toon actually had over 300 passing yards in each of his first three games. Then Stevenson and Bradley go down. They're dealing with COVID. Obviously, Toon then has to turn to Keith Corbin and Nathaniel Dallas' top two receivers. Didn't go according to plan, but Toon is still averaging 33 attempts per game. He's a very good rusher. Memphis' pass defense is allowing over 300 yards per game. So I'm very interested in Toon stacks coming at a discounted price. You just need to make sure Stevenson and Bradley are playing.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, if you look at what Toon's done, obviously, I, and I, you heard me earlier in the show, I think Cincinnati's really good. And besides that, he's actually had pretty good success in every game. UCF was disappointing. I'll give you that. But this is a Houston offense that can move the ball. Do you worry, though, with so many moving parts and so much uncertainty? Uh, I know you can embrace that in tournaments, and I do think with this Miami-UNC game garnering a ton of interest and Alabama, of course, rightfully so— this is kind of a, a lost stack in a way. If you want to go to Stevenson and Bradley, you have run back options, obviously. Do you just worry about the un, unknowns considering we just haven't seen Houston at full strength in, in quite some time?
1: In tournaments, I don't I don't care about that at all. But in cash games, they're absolutely concerns. I don't have any Houston players in my cash lineup right now.
0: Yeah, and ZJ 83 just said this. Obviously, if you get word that Bradley's playing nobody is going to play him because he has an, an out tag next to his yeah, name. Yeah, okay,
1: guys. That out tag comes from RotoWire. DraftKings contracts RotoWire. They are the Tell least him. reliable injury reporting source in college football. The, they literally reported Garrison Brooks was out for, this is college basketball, but like on Tuesday, they reported Garrison Brooks was out and their beat reporter's like, he's on the floor warming up. He's starting the game. Like <laughs> do not listen to RotoWire. They are a horrific provider of information and statistics you see
0: you see jordan klein gets up for one second and, and mac
1: laying oh down god the i can't believe they're contracted by DraftKings. like they are the stone worst their target data isn't even correct
0: there you go and yes garrison brooks did play i will say that iowa has a team of super shooters though that's another another show for another time god Roll you don't want to mess with arrow. the hawkeyes on the hardwood right now
1: the is uh, player of the year
0: yeah, Z-Gen 83, I'm with you. I know I know you're aware of it. that is a good thing and a sharp call by you. Uh you can you can definitely steal some ownership that way.
1: On I'm Passionate other, about Rotowire, sorry. Dude, uh, I what apparently you Z-Gent?
0: Whew. Oh, it's all love. Uh holy Toledo, I need a cigarette after that. Um <laughs> uh, on the other side, obviously Cox he's not there, but Brady White still's got weapons. Uh Austin, Washington, the tight end and Dikes. Where do you say you do go to tune uh, and one of these guys, do you have a preferred run back option and say you use white? Do you have a preferred pair with him?
1: Yeah. Awesome. Ph- phenomenal. He's averaging over 10 targets per game, over hundred receiving yards per game. He's 49 yards short of a thousand. He just walked right into the Coxie workload and he's been fantastic doing so. Taj Washington is still too cheap at 5,100 for his price. He's averaging eight targets per game. And this is all increasing without Coxie in the lineup. He's playing, you know, the former Calvin Austin role. And I mean, they are different roles on the field, but I'm talking target volume. So Calvin Austin's now seeing like Coxie's targets. Washington's now seeing Austin's and they're both probably a little too cheap. Dykes has really remained constant, but he's he's their receiving tight end. So I didn't really expect a large role change for him.
0: Anything in the backfield or is that just no,
1: definitely go to the air if you're going to do it? I think go to the air. Rodriguez Clark has missed multiple games with injury, but I know he practiced this week. Silverfield said that they're going to use running back by committee either way. They, they did an awesome art and returned to the rotation. So it should be a two to three man rotation.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a team. I, I think it's actually a pretty sharp call by you. This game could get out and moving. Um, man. I wish Gainwell was there. Whatever. That doesn't matter. I wish Gainwell uh, was there too, man. I guess yeah. Gainwell. He's a, he's a good player, um, but Memphis has some things. And, and like I said, these teams haven't been on a lot of, I know these are, these are things that can't be quantified, but, Some of the teams, they're on every DFS slate. We've done this show every week, and we've had a blast. But like North Carolina, those teams, you see them week after week. Houston has not been on these slates. Uh, Memphis has been on a few, but that was more early in the season. Things like that matter. I think most people are going to look to comfort. Uh, Obviously, if you've played college football DFS this year, you probably have taken some zeros along the way this is going to be an under owned game relative to the chance that it blows out uh, in a good way. It shoots out, I should say. So keep that in mind. Uh, before we move on, we just had a question. What about Houston backfield?
1: Houston backfield is really interesting. Kyle Porter's out for the game. I think he's done for the year and Malba Carr saw a reduced workload. It was because he also got banged up in the injury, but that same press conference I listened to with Holgerson, where he said, They're getting back most of their players from COVID, which is why that like month old Trayvon Bradley report doesn't make a ton of sense. That report again is from November 14th. Mulbacar, he also specified in this game that he got banged up and he should be fine for this week. Mulbacar is typically the one B in a, a rotation with Kyle Porter. I expect him to play ahead of Chandler Smith and Kellen Walker. It'll be a timeshare to some degree, but you're still talking about a running back at 4.2k who should handle a majority of the workload. I would put it somewhere around like 60% of carries.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, yeah, I I don't think that that's crazy. There's a lot of ways to attack this game. Um, It's a good environment. You have multiple options. And if you are stacking, you have options on the outside. Uh, I agree. Yeah. It is like the PAC 12 teams. Um, It really is. Uh, All right. Let's get to this final game. Then we're going to take some questions. We'll bounce on out of here. Coming up next, though, NFL final look, Greg Ehrenberg, Jeff Rolick. Uh, And again, I just want to say this really quickly. The NBA, it snuck up on me. I know our guys are ready to go, already did preseason shows. It's here, though. Uh, And we are, this is going to be going fast, but $1 weekly pass up to December 29th. You get in the door, you see the tools, you see the ownership projections, everything that we have to offer, and then you decide if you want to stick around for for the year. We're confident that you're going to. Uh, That's why we're doing this, but we'd love to just get you in to try it out, have some fun. And if it's not for you, you've lost literally a dollar. Um, So do that promo code Caruso. It's on your screen. Uh, And now there's a Christmas tree on the screen. Look at that. We've got it up to December 29th. No reason not, not to try this out. Last game. I have two Matt. You may not know this about me. You know a little about me. You know, my music tastes. We're talking before the show, two bad vices. One, I like to play roulette when I can go to casinos. Two, I bet Florida State in football all the time, and it never, ever, ever works. But last week, you, sharp call, fading Duke. Duke is broken right now. The Noles are three-and-a-half point favorite at home, and shocker, I kind of like them in this spot. So I know we're going to do a little reverse. We're going to get into the DFS side. What do you think of the spread? Are you backing Florida State and fading Duke once again, or do you think this is just another dumb decision by May?
1: No, I am with you on it this time. I, it's not so much that I want to back Florida state. It's that I'm just trying to fade Duke at really yeah. all opportunities this year. So I am doing the same again today.
0: I am not joking. I can't even remember the last time. Uh, and then once this year, once I bet against Florida state and I bet North Carolina, um, oh, it's, no. just, it, it's just insane, but let's get to it. All right. Duke is really struggling. Uh, we saw them right from the opening tip this year, and it, it just, it really hasn't worked. Uh, Chase Bryce experiment was not a success coming over from Clemson. They're coming off of 48-0. They got demolished by Miami. I know that's a different caliber of team, but still.
1: Uh, Dude, that line was 13 and a half.
0: I know. You mentioned to me how much, that's part of the reason why I bet Florida State this week. You had mentioned that you were picking on Duke last week, and obviously it worked out. I mean, what is there to say about this team? I mean, it's the same guys. You've got Calhoun, you've got Bobo, Durant. Is there anything worth talking
1: about? They have narrowed their wide receiver rotation a little bit. They will throw the ball incessantly and they run a ton of plays. So just like looking at the offense, you think, oh, I might be interested in this. They're running 79 plays per game, passing 51% of the time. At the very least, it leads to a lot of like PPR upside for like Calhoun and Bobo they're the top two receivers and targets and they're both below 4k. So I could see some interest for that reason, but there's honestly other players that are cheap in that range that I'm more interested in.
0: So same question I asked you earlier in the show, you know, you mentioned these guys in the mid threes, but I assume Louisville's Smith, other guys in that range that you'd prefer.
1: Yeah. Smith is the number one down there for me. He's in my cash lineup.
0: What about Bradley?
1: Bradley? I need to see if he's healthy. Like Mm -hmm. we, we, I was getting all on rotowire for them having an (laughs) inaccurate report, but the the thing is he's not out. We just don't know. He might be out. He might be in. We don't know. Mm -hmm. That report is from November 14th. It's December 12th.
0: No, fair enough. We got to just get clarification. All right. On the, on the Seminole side, I had been like anyone Their their quarterback situation has been a disaster for a long time. Jordan Travis is back now. If there's one thing he can at least do though, he can move, he can run. Uh, He is incredibly not live for anything close to a 300 yard bonus but he is live for a 100 yard bonus at 7k can you go to him and just hope that he goes wild on the ground
1: yeah he's in my cash lineup you, okay. you're playing him for his rushing upside he's he's like everything you would like the naval quarterbacks to be the i should say the armed forces quarterbacks
0: uh we got corbin 55 Could you play him with Travis? That's step one for me, or do you think that's misguided? They cannibalize each other.
1: Uh, They do cannibalize each other, but the question you need to ask yourself with those situations is, is can Florida state score enough points in the game to warrant that paying off like Alabama today, they have a 50 and a half implied team total. So you can certainly, this is assuming price works out to Najee and Mac Jones are a bad example, but like with Florida state, if, Their prices are semi-affordable and the team total is high enough. You can always play the running back with the quarterback today for Florida state. It's 30 and a half. So I'm not quite sure. That's something I want to do.
0: Yeah, I don't, it's, it's pretty thin to be honest. I'd rather just stick with Travis. You mentioned, obviously it's going to come from rushing. Does that completely take the wide receivers out of play? Yes. So it's really just Travis or pass.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be interested in the receivers, but like Ontario Wilson's 5.5K. Like you pay less to get Taj Washington, who is a significantly better receiver. Keyshawn Helton, I guess he's their number two. He's 3.3K. If I pay up like $200, I can get Braden Smith for Louisville.
0: I like it. Like I said, Duke, uh, a team that I, I plan to fade. I'm fading them in the betting market. Bet Florida State, bet Iowa. All right. Couple things. There we go. We got a couple minutes left. One, I'm going to ask for some likes. We got to get it over 100. I'm going to rapid fire some questions to Matt for you guys. And we'll start with friend of the show, uh, Matthew P. 4.2K in cash flex.
1: The first one that stands out to me is Mulbachar. I'm going to look at my projections down there. There's Dowski Dove projects for 10 points. Braden Smith is probably the best one overall just with the new opportunity he's receiving. But I think the top two options down there are going to be Malbacar and Braden Smith.
0: Yeah, I think in Braden Smith, the Louisville situation is one. Uh, I, I think to take advantage of, particularly in cash. Um, you've mentioned D.R. King for cash in tournaments to me, if, I, if there was an under stack, it would actually be Houston. Is there another team or, or Houston that you think could be uh, a little against the green in tournaments?
1: I love the Houston stack. I'll be playing a lot of it in tournaments.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think that's a team. I don't know exactly what... Like I said, we haven't seen them and that breeds uncertainty, but it, to me, it's a good spot. Uh, but, 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 anything else? I think favorite play on the slate. I mean, that's obviously a, a pretty loaded question. To me, I'm not breaking any news. I think the Louisville receivers are just, they are underpriced because of the situation with Tutu Atwell. So a uh, pretty obvious spot to attack there.
1: Yeah, the big underpriced players on the slate are Braden Smith is one. Taj Washington stands out as one to me for Memphis, also being very underpriced. We could see Trayvon Bradley underpriced if he's active. At running back, I know he's not a punt play, but Christian Beale Smith is significantly underpriced. I think you could make the same argument for Jay Sean Corbin. And if you're just looking for pure punt plays at running back, we didn't talk about him at all, but Lawrence Toafeli is the backup, I suppose, for Florida State. Florida State likes to rotate runners. So if you're talking about tournaments, like he's not safe and you need someone just as a punt play. Lawrence Toafeli could be someone you look to with upside in a decent game environment for the Seminoles, he's someone I would be a lot more comfortable stacking with Jordan Travis, not stacking, like playing with Jordan Travis. It's not a stack because he's not going to receive a lot of pass catching work, but Travis to, to Waffle, is not costing you anything, which is why I think there's a little more accessibility to it. Otherwise I think like cheaper quarterbacks that are underpriced. Jordan Travis stands out. Clayton tune stands out just because he hasn't had a healthy pass catching core really all season. And yeah, I think that's uh those are most of the underpriced plays that my projections are highlighting. Mechie, John Mechie.
0: John Mechie. Uh, Najee or Devonte Smith for cash? Obviously, it's close for me to be Smith. Smith. Um. Last question. If Bradley is out for Houston, who's the pivot?
1: Nathaniel Wood. It's nearly the same price play, too.
0: Look at that. You got an answer for everything. He's easy. All right.
1: Nathaniel Wood, big juco guy. He's actually played a lot without... Um, without Bradley in the lineup. So you can, you just need $300 because Bradley is 4k flat. Nathaniel Dell is 4.3. So make sure you have the salary to make the pivot, but it's easy. Put Nathaniel uh, Dell in your lineup. And then you'll know if, if Bradley's healthy, you just make the pivot to Bradley.
0: Yeah. And you'll have the salary. No yeah. doubt about it. Um, all right. On that note, we've done it again. Follow Matt on Twitter. He's doing it. It's not just college football. If you are interested in college basketball, I've been betting it a ton. You get our premium Slack chat. I've been dropping, uh, plays a varying success but we have some fun and i do think there's a big edge but matt is providing projections i know it's a big task but you've been doing killing it uh subs have been really happy it's free go check it out there's no reason not to college b-ball is just getting started so on that note we're gonna bounce on out of here good luck everyone uh follow us on twitter get in slack to, to hit us up for some plays we will be back for conference championship week next week same time same place what I was talking about.